Hey, it's Big Joe for your trusted local independent American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning dealer, Absolute Comfort. Chris Wedekin is the owner, and he tells us why many homeowners are giving up their air conditioners for a high-efficiency heat pump. By removing your air conditioner and replacing it with a heat pump, you are not only saving by getting a higher-efficiency air conditioner, the heat pump works in reverse and saves you money in the wintertime as well. See if a heat pump is the right move for you by going to absolutecomfort.org. Absolute Comfort is your trusted local independent American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning dealer. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment, and this is the Gun Guy. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, 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 bang. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, bang, bang. With Guy Relford on 93 WIPC. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIBC. I'm thrilled to be talking to you today. A lot going on on the Second Amendment front here in Indiana, and uh, including what's going on at the State House. And listen, I've spent a lot of time at the Indiana State House the last uh, couple of weeks because we've had some some important bills. And some bills that can really, I think, enhance gun rights uh, here in Indiana. And when I say enhance gun rights, part of that is just preventing intrusions on our, our gun rights. Because when, you, when you're fighting in the legislature, and listen, that's the reason I formed the two-way project. And by the way, we've had a bunch of people join the two-way project here lately, I think, uh, partly because of the legislative session and, and and people see the the issues going on there um and by the way if you're interested check it out it's the two way project.com it's a nonprofit organization uh dedicated to your second amendment rights right here in indiana one of the reasons i formed that though is just because there's always a battle and you're always fighting a battle on two fronts you have offense so you're going out there trying to pass laws or repeal laws, whatever it might be, we were trying to change the, the law in some way that protects, enhances, reinforces our, our Second Amendment rights here in Indiana, and then you're playing defense. And that's where all these bills that get introduced, and there's a ton of them every year. Now, we're at, a, we're at, a, at, a, at an important juncture in the session, this is a short session, meaning it's not a budget year. So this General Assembly session doesn't last as long as it does in an odd year when it's a budget year, and the whole session goes a, long, a, a lot longer. So we're in a relatively short session, but during that, uh, at some point, you reach deadlines that are very important. For instance, you reach deadlines where if a bill that was filed in the Senate doesn't get a hearing in the committee that it's assigned to, uh, doesn't get voted uh, on the floor after going through the amendment process on second reading, we call it. It doesn't get a vote then on what we call third reading where, okay, the Senate has now passed it and gets sent over to the House, then then it's dead. And, and the majority of bills that are filed every year actually – I would guess, I, I'm sure it's a majority, the majority of bills that get filed actually die because of that particular deadline because, first of all, they never get a hearing. 
they never get assigned to a hearing by the committee chairman that they're assigned to, or they do get a hearing and they don't get voted out of committee, or as happened on a bill I was supporting here just last week, it does get a hearing, but the committee chairman decides not to take a vote on the bill because it has to be voted out of committee, meaning a majority of the people on that committee say, yes, we 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 recommend that this bill passes, and they send it on then to the floor of, of the chamber that it was assigned to. I tend to say House. A lot of our bills start in the House, but not all. And we were in the Senate this year. So anyway, there are deadlines. And if, if a bill doesn't get through the first half of the process, that is getting through the chamber in which it was filed, then it's dead. It's done. It's over. So you can go to the, the General Assembly website. I always go just in.gov slash IGA. If you put that in, it'll at least give you a, uh, a, a link to follow to get there eventually. And and when you go and you and you hit legislation, then it will say bills. When you list it, if it's if it's highlighted, and I think it's blue, at least on my computer, it's still alive. If it goes to like a a, a a subtle gray font, it means it's dead. And so a lot of bills that we've been talking about here on the Gun Guy Show, including, for instance, Senator Fadi Kadura's bill that would allow the city of Indianapolis or any other local government, local what we call political subdivision, which is just another word for local, another term for local government, to regulate firearms and do such things as ban so-called assault weapons or ban concealed carry of firearms or at least require a license to carry even though we have constitutional carry on a state level. So, And I I talked a lot about that because that was in furtherance of a request from Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogsett and actually was in furtherance of a, a campaign platform of Jefferson Shreve, the Republican candidate who wanted to pass the same legislation so as to regulate firearms on a local level. Well, Senator Fadi Kadura's bill didn't get a hearing. It didn't pass out of the Senate where it was filed, so now it's dead. So we'll talk about what bills that we still have out there, what bills are alive, what bills are not. We still have some important pro-2A bills. I was down at the State House on Wednesday, and I testified in favor of a bill that would go a long way toward preventing discrimination against individuals or businesses based on their association with, I'll just call it Second Amendment activities. In other words, there's been a lot of discrimination. I've talked a lot about this on this show. I've talked about it on Hammer and Nigel, on Monday, Gunday, on my weekly segment on Hammer and Nigel, where... Credit card companies, banks, are just refusing to do businesses, to do business with, for instance, gun shops, or in my case, firearms instructors, and and try having a retail business. If you let's say you're a gun shop, and by the way, one thing I'm going to do again here sooner than later, you know, I had a uh, here right on the tail end of COVID, I had what we called a gun shop roundtable 
where I had five different owners of gun shops right here in the studio. We just talked about, hey, what's going on in, in your industry? You know, somebody who who runs a local, not a big one, not Tractor Supply, not Cabela's. I'm talking about the local mom and pop style gun store. What's going on with you guys? How you doing? How's the industry? How's supply? How's demand? How are prices from your suppliers? How's government regulation? And one of the things I asked them at the last gun shop roundtable is I said, by the way, and it was something I didn't really plan on asking, it was something that just popped into my head, because I had recently been refused a business relationship with a credit card credit card processor called Square. And they just they just said, oh, no, you, you're a firearms instructor. Well, we don't want to do business with you because your business has to do with guns, and, and we oppose gun violence. <laughs> Hold on. I'm an instructor. I teach people how to safely, responsibly, and legally handle, possess, store firearms. I'm all about safe and responsible gun ownership. And you don't want to do business with me because you think my business promotes gun violence? Well, that kind of discrimination is what Senate Bill 28 was directed to. And it was broader than that. It would actually prevent financial discrimination based on what a lot of people call a, a social credit score, where literally there are businesses out there looking at your social media, you know, doing research on you, and if and if and if your company, and they may ask you this directly, if your company doesn't have an affirmative action hiring process, then they will discriminate against you. If your company doesn't teach. DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. As a business, they can discriminate against you. Me personally, as a business associated with firearms, they can discriminate against you. Or the fossil fuels industry. And this bill addressed all those things. And we had a hearing on that on uh, on Wednesday, and it didn't get out of committee. I'll come back and talk more about that. But hey, in the middle of all that, um, we had a big uproar over events at the state house involving my friend Jim Lucas. And I look, make no mistake, Jim and I are friends. We've worked together on a ton of bills. In fact, I was thinking about Jim earlier this week, and I was thinking about having Jim on the show this week because I just got an attorney's fees award. In a case where my client used deadly force, justified legal deadly force against a person who was breaking into their house, his his and his wife's house, in the middle of the night, three o'clock in the morning, guy's trying to kick in the front door, he runs around to the back door, tries to kick it in, then he breaks the back window. My client says, dude, I have a gun, go away. And the guy says, well, you're just going to have to shoot me, B-word. You're just going to have to shoot me, B, and starts climbing through the window into this guy's house in the middle of the night with he and his wife there. My client uses lawful and justified force and self-defense. Based on the immunity bill that Jim Lucas and I worked on together, we got that case dismissed because if you use force lawfully and justifiably in Indiana because of this bill, because of this law that I wrote, Jim Lucas introduced as the author and championed, and was the reason we got a pass because he was a badass in the General Assembly, 
We got the thing passed. And, and on that basis, the lawsuit against this, this client of mine got dismissed. And the bill has, the law has, a mandatory attorney's fees provision. And that means if you file a lawsuit against someone who has this immunity because they lawfully and justifiably use force and self-defense because you were the bad guy who was trying to hurt somebody or you're the family of the dead bad guy who was in this case, for instance, trying to break into somebody's house in the middle of the night, you can't file that lawsuit. That's what the law says. And if you do, we'll get that case dismissed and you have to pay the defense their attorney's fees. And I, I, in a case I have where I represent this client who lawfully, justifiably, legally used force and self-defense, got that case dismissed and just got an award of attorney's fees, reimbursing my client because they got wrongfully sued by the family of a dead bad guy who was trying to break into someone's house. And I say bad guy. He was trying to break the law. He was committing the crime of residential entry. That's what Indiana calls breaking and entering. And if you're committing that crime and someone defends their home, you can't file a lawsuit, pure and simple. And so I was thinking about reaching out to Jim this week. But listen, a big furor, big uproar over events with Jim. And if, if you know what I'm talking about, you do. If not, we're a little past the quarter hour. We'll come back and we'll talk about exactly what happened and how upset people are, or at least say they are. And what really happened, what didn't happen, because the whole thing's caught on video. We don't really have to debate what happened. We only need to discuss the, the, the interpretation of what we all saw on video. But in the meantime, we're taking a break. We'll come back here in a bit. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Second to none on the Second Amendment. This is The Gun Guy with Guy Relford on 93 WIBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Rolford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. So, talking about happenings at the State House, most of which are uh, related to pending bills, uh, what we got through committee, what we met deadline on to get out of their originating chamber and get over to the, the chamber by what's going on right now, which is halftime. But we also had other drama going on in the state house, and I, I got to tell you, I'm thrilled. I'm looking at the uh, at the phone lines, and uh, it looks like we got we got Representative Jim Lucas, uh, who has uh, has called in the show. Joe, I, Jim, I didn't even think you were in in town this week. I thought you were on a road trip to Texas. I am on a road trip. I'm actually heading back. I went down to Eagle Pass to see for myself, lay eyes on, you know, what the situation was. And uh, it was well worth it. Got to talk to a lot of interesting people and learn some things that, you know, the news media isn't telling you. And it was it's very fascinating. Well, listen, um, I want to have that discussion and want to hear about exactly what you saw with your own eyes in terms of the massive amount of illegal immigration that's going on in this country. Um, but I'm glad you called in because I'm fascinated to get your input on this. And as far as I can tell, I've, I went out and looked today. You haven't you haven't commented publicly on this, but Jim, I saw headlines. Um, and, and on news stories and articles posted on the internet that started off with 
uh, things like uh, Indiana lawmaker flashes high school students in state house with firearm, or um, or or Indiana lawmaker intimidates high school students with gun uh, in the Indiana General Assembly, and and I had this image immediately of of somebody, you know, wildly waving a gun around. Um, and, and, and I heard terms like brandishing and, you know, people accusing, uh, it turns out to be you, um, of committing a crime. And I'm like, hold on. And it turns out the whole thing's on video. And it's out there on the Internet. You can go see it. You can you see exactly what was said. You can see exactly what was done. But, but I'm glad you called in because if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you directly exactly what happened, what started the whole process, and what exactly transpired. And again, it's all on video, so it's not like anybody can mischaracterize it and get away with it. Okay. I'm I'm at the video, at the state house, and I'm on the elevator, I'm by myself, door opens up, and a group of young ladies with a chaperone steps in, I said, well, good morning, ladies, what brings you here? They told me they were there with uh, Students Demand Action. I said, oh, interesting topic. You know, would you care to discuss a little bit? So we stepped outside, went up the next floor, stepped outside, and started having a very rational conversation. And very polite group of girls, um, knowledgeable, you know, obviously engaged. And it was nice to see young adults like that taking up an interest in things that concern them. And but we obviously had differing opinions on it. And I was using that as an opportunity to hopefully educate them on some facts that they were obviously not aware of. And again, I encourage people to go watch the video. The video speaks for itself to see where it comes in. I obviously miscalculated the um, level at which these young ladies um, were at. You know, they're up there talking about an adult topic, and I grew up with guns, guys. A lot of us did. I, I graduated in the early 80s in Seymour High School. People, kids, had cars in their parking lot, guns, you know, open, doors unlocked, doors unlocked, windows down. Nobody thought twice about it. That's the environment I grew up in. And the thing I was trying to convey to these young ladies there are over tens of millions of Americans that carry every day lawfully, safely, and that's statistically proven. That's a fact. You can't argue that. Indiana is one of the highest states in the nation with Hoosier adults that have a license to carry a handgun when we used to require. Almost 20%. So almost one of every five Hoosier adults is out there carrying. And one of the young ladies brought up the topic of people carrying. And watch the video. There was absolutely zero intent of intimidation, threat, or anything. I just wanted to make the point that I myself had one, and I was amongst them, and they were completely safe. Well, that we obviously see what happened from there. So, Yeah, and, and, and Jim, I watched the video, and at one point you said... I'm carrying right now because the, the 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 students that were there, and again, they're part of, of 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 students demand action. So they're essentially a gun control group, right, at the state house to ask for more gun control regulation legislation. But at one point, you you were trying to explain that the the the, the 
mere presence of a gun or someone's possession of a gun in and of itself shouldn't be a scary thing. This is the way I took it. And you said, I'm carrying right now. And you pulled your coat back and you demonstrated that you were carrying your gun. I've seen that gun many times. I've shot with you while you were shooting that gun at ranges. Um, it's something you, you do every day. You carry that gun every day or a gun every day. And you said, look, I'm carrying right now. And, and listen, I'm your friend. I make no bones about that. Uh, I think you're unfairly attacked a lot of times. I make no bones about that. Um, so, hey, if somebody wants to question my objectivity, then have a right at it, uh, full and fair disclosure. But when I saw the video, and I think anybody who has any kind of objectivity or rationality about the whole thing sees you do that, the idea, you're being accused of trying to intimidate people. I took it as, as being exactly the opposite. That is, you're trying to show that the mere possession of a firearm was not scary, was not intimidating. And, and shouldn't be something they're concerned about as far as uh, Hoosiers carrying guns in public uh, or anywhere else because you're saying, look, I'm a legislator, I'm here doing my job, and I'm carrying right now in the sense of I'm not trying, you, you shouldn't be concerned about this, this should not be something that's scary to you. And that's the way I took it. Unfortunately, uh, obviously, based on the reaction to this, people took it exactly the opposite way. God, yes. And that's, you know, I, 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 thank you for saying that in the past, the many things that the media has come after me on, I do believe they are unfair. This one has to take the cake, though. Um, I'm still shaking my head. The, the reaction of such an incredibly irresponsible media, you know, blowing this so far out of proportion. For one, let's, let's stick with the facts here. I'm an adult exercising a constitutional right. And somewhere along the way, somebody has instilled into these young adults an absolute fear to the point, you know, we heard their own descriptions, how terrified they were of somebody exercising a constitutional right that posed absolutely zero threat to them. So that points, I think, to a, a bigger problem in society. Uh, this group, Moms Demand, you know, I've had people say, how dare you threaten and intimidate children? He also argued on the other side of the coin, these groups are exploiting children. They are promoting that much fear without giving them all the facts. I think that's wrong. Yeah. And there are just so many things you know that we could discuss on this if people were willing to have a rational adult discussion about it and listen to the other side instead of automatically just jumping to, hey, how bad can we crucify this person that simply showed a group of young adults that, hey, there's nothing to be afraid of because this is going on around you right now, whether you know it or not. Well, and Jim, let, let me tell you this. And again, I want to be as, as objective as I can on this. Um, let, me, let, me, let me give you this feedback, or at least this reaction, too, because as I watched the video, because listen, I wasn't going to accept anybody else's portrayal or description. I heard it was on video, so I'm going to go watch the video. I'm not going to listen to what the media is telling me about the event. So I went and watched the event, and there's a, there was a short video that was posted on, on Twitter uh, by Statehouse Files. And by the way, isn't that John Kroll's group out of, what, Marion University or something? Um, oh, yeah, that, my, number, my number one fan. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> we know they're not particularly friendly to the Second Amendment generally. But at any rate, there was a much then a much longer video that pretty much sh- showed the same encounter. And 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 listen, you're my friend, and and I admire and respect you. But um, I'll tell you this: as I watched the video, and when you said, "Hey, I'm carrying right now," and you pulled your coat back to show that you were carrying that gun. Jim, my immediate reaction was, oh no, Jim, no, you didn't. And and the reason I reacted that way is not because you did anything wrong. It's not because um, that any rational person would view what you did as being intimidating or, or threatening or all the crap that you're being accused of. It was because the reaction, whether it was from snowflakes right there and forgive me but I'm sorry that's my reaction or from the media who looks for any opportunity to attack you anyway that in my view my friend it was completely predictable that you would catch all the crap you have because they're going to take that and mischaracterize it misportray it you know say it was something it wasn't and you're going to get all beat up because you gave them the opportunity to beat you up and 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 I just want your reaction to that I don't want to be unfair to you but that that was my reaction when I saw the video I get that now you know I'm not making excuses anybody that's ever talked to me or knows me I got caught up in the moment talking to a young group of of adults there that was unscripted unscheduled it just happened and I was talking to them and I that's me (laughs) obviously I'm going to have to make some changes because um, not only have I learned, I think we have seen how triggered the media is and certain groups of people out there that would use absolutely anything um, to take an issue and twist it and you know tell it from a side that is completely not true and do anything they can to try and turn opinion their way, even when, you know, Thank God the video is out there. And I encourage everybody, watch the long version. That way um, you get an idea of what happened pretty much from the moment we stepped off the elevator until the moment I had to leave. And draw your own conclusions. Yeah, I... uh, it's, uh, it, it never ceases to amaze me that there are absolutely no boundaries, no boundaries out there for um, people that think differently than we do and what they will do to, to take an issue and, and twist it to fit their narrative. And I don't disagree at all with that. I think in the, with the benefit of hindsight, and God, don't we all wish we always had the benefit of hindsight? Lord knows I do for, for, for things I do. Um, but with the benefit of hindsight, I'd say, you know, you're absolutely right in all of that. However, it was predictable because of who you're dealing with, whether it's the people right there in the vicinity who are anti-gun, looking for any opportunity to express their, you know, their their fear and how badly they're triggered and intimidated and scared and all of that, uh, or the media that just loves to beat up on anybody that's pro-2A, and you in particular, you're in those crosshairs. Yeah, that's that's, that's my, my, only, my, own, my only concern looking back with the full benefit of hindsight. It was, it was, it was a little predictable. Hindsight is twenty twenty, and it seems like uh, there's some things I have to learn the hard way. But you know, there was zero intent, a threat or intimidation on this one, and I it let this be a lesson to everybody else. You know, this is what we're dealing with. Yeah. You know, we went from uh, in the mid '80s, you know, high school kids having guns, long guns, um, handguns, everything in their cars with their windows down, doors unlocked, to now 
you can't even show anybody a handgun in a holster um, just standing there with your hands not even near it. I was going to so, say, you never touched the gun. The gun never left the holster by definition. You never, you just pulled your coat back and said, look, I'm carrying right now. I mean, I, I, again, you said it. Invite people to go out. You can find it on social media, State House Files. You can see the whole video. But, but Jim, let me, let me leave you with this, and we're way past the, the bottom of the hour. Uh, we'll figure it out here for the rest of, of this, this, this hour. But uh, let me ask you this. I saw something that, that ticked me off because I've seen what's actually happened in this area. And that was somebody um, took this incident and they posted on social media and they said that what what, what we should all be angry about is that you were were essentially flaunting your ability to carry a gun in the statehouse. And at the same time, you, I mean, meaning Jim Lucas is the way it's written in the social media post that I saw, have made it illegal for the common citizen to carry a gun in the statehouse. And listen, legislators and some of their staff um, can carry in the state house. There's, there's a bill that's pending, which I think was part of the discussion with this group, um, to allow other state officials like the treasurer and controller and others potentially in their staff to carry guns in the state house. Me, as just somebody who goes and, and, and visits and, and testifies and whatnot, I can't carry a gun in the state house. And this post essentially said you were flaunting the fact that you can carry there, but us poor common um, you know, proletariat members can't, can't, and that we all ought to be outraged at that. And I just, when I read that, I thought, you know, here's someone who has no clue of what the history on this issue has been, because as I recall, Jim, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's one legislator that I've seen that's introduced a bill at least three or four times in multiple sessions that has tried to eliminate gun-free zones in in any state-owned property in Indiana, including state-funded universities and including the State House, and tried to eradicate this gun-free zone that we have in the State House for the common citizen like me, and that's Jim Lucas. And I read this and I went, Does somebody, is somebody really that stupid and ignorant, uninformed to not understand that you're the guy who's been trying to fix that very issue? That was a, a legislators carrying in the state house was a policy that, that was going on even before I come up there in 2012. And you're right, that is something I have worked since then. I've introduced numerous pieces of legislation to eliminate gun-free zones in all public property, and I will be the first one. And I, I will be very, and I am vocal. I think that people should be able to carry in the state house and on public property because it's our constitutional right. And I went down to Kentucky. Kentucky has a sign down in the basement right there telling people how to carry long guns. You have to carry long guns, muzzle up, and your handguns have to be holstered. I took a picture of the Texas Capitol. Um, you have to have your handguns holstered. You can carry in their capital, and I believe there's 21 or 20-some other state houses around the, the country that recognize people's constitutional rights. And that's something I've been working on. And I agree with the people on that. If, if there should not be rules for me and not me. I mean, you know. But, but you've introduced bills to fix that. that, and that's that's when. And whenever we talk about this exactly. issue, look, people can can blame the the Republican supermajority for not fixing it, for not putting you know pushing forward the bills you've introduced. Um, people can you know blame the General Assembly in, in total, but but in my mind, uh, I, we can't blame Jim Lucas because you're the guy that's brought bill after bill after bill that would fix that very issue. So what? Uh, okay, you're part of the, the Republican supermajority. So as to whatever that one 
whatever the percentage is, okay, but you're the guy bringing the bills. I don't know how we can turn around and blame you for the fact that I can't carry in the state. Now, should I be able to carry in the state house? Yes. Does it irritate me that I cannot? Yes. Do I blame Jim Lucas for that when you're the guy who's brought the bill trying to fix it multiple times? No, I'm sorry. I don't blame you for that. Well, I make myself an easy target because I speak up and I'm not afraid to, you know, talk about the, the difficult issues, but I've got thick skin and I know where I stand on the issues. So I sleep well at night. I got you. Well, listen, Jim, thanks Thanks for calling in. Uh, I was going to discuss the issue anyway, but having you uh, on the phone uh, as you're traveling back from Texas, uh, from Eagle Pass, uh, was that much better. So I, I'm really glad for the discussion. Um, I'm not sure how we're going to work out the timing for the rest of this half hour, but I'm really glad you called in. I'm glad you got the opportunity to tell your side of it, um, and, uh, and it's great to hear from you as always. Well, thanks, brother. And just, I'd encourage people to watch the video in its entirety. Well, that's the point. And and not listen to people portraying what happened or spinning, characterizing what happened. Go watch what actually happened. I think you'll have a different conclusion. In the meantime, uh, we have to take a break. Thanks to Representative Jim Lucas for calling in. We're taking a break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. The show about gun rights, gun safety, and responsible gun ownership. This is The Gun Guy with Guy Relford on 93 WIPC. And hey, thanks so much for joining The Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIBC. We'll be right back. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Your rights, your responsibilities, your guns. This is The Gun Guy with Guy Relford on 93 WIPC. And... Thanks again for joining us here on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Thanks to Representative Jim Lucas for calling in. I think that was actually the first time he's commented publicly on this huge uproar over well, what really was a silly incident. And again, go go find it. Go to State House Files, look up the video, watch the whole thing, draw your own conclusions. But it was Jim essentially trying to convince some high school students who who were there to campaign for gun control. I mean, let's remember the context. So this is people that are, by definition, anti-gun and or afraid of guns. And trying to convince them there was nothing to be afraid of, he said, hey, I'm carrying right now. And he pulled his coat back and showed him his gun. Now, as Jim was very comfortable, I think, in conceding, I made the point of, come on, Jim, you had to know that was going to happen. I mean, they're down there telling you how scary guns are and how bad guns are and how terrible guns are. You go show them your gun by pulling your jacket back. What are they going to do? Now, whether they had any legitimate fear of that inanimate object that was never touched, never drawn, just sitting in a holster on somebody's belt, the fact that they had a completely irrational fear in that context, or at least said they did, was one dumb and, yes, irrational and unfounded. But in retrospect, and this point I made with Jim, and I think he conceded it, which is it was also completely foreseeable. 
I mean, you had to know. And whether they really felt that way, oh, my God, I'm so afraid. This legislator showed me his gun. I feel unsafe. That was the exact quote from somebody standing up. I feel really unsafe now that you have that gun. Uh, do you feel unsafe that the state police officer at the entrance to the state house is carrying a gun? Uh, it's not too different. Jim's a United States Marine. Jim's had, I, I know, I've trained with Jim. Jim's had as much training uh, or more or dramatically more than the typical police officer. Now, high school student going to the state house doesn't necessarily know that. But it, at any rate, it's irrational. It's silly. Um, but it is what it is. It was foreseeable and it was preventable. And I think that's what, in retrospect, uh, we have to concede. But my goodness, the torrent of hate and criticism uh, of uh, Representative Lucas. And again, hey, he's my friend. Take it for what it's worth. Uh, I think is just goofy and is easily rebutted. In the meantime, we're at the top of the hour. It's time to take a break. We're going to be back after the um, the commercials here at the top of the hour. It's Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment, and this is The Gun Guy. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, 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 bang. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, bang, bang. With Guy Ralford on 93 WIBC. And welcome back for hour number two of the Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIBC. We're thrilled to have you with us. And uh, by the way, I got to say, I uh, I was very active on a forum called Indiana Gun Owners, uh, what a lot of people just call INGO. And uh, the website, the forum website is IN gunowners.com. Um, and I was really active for years on this. In fact, I advertised. I had a, I had a banner that ran across the top of the page every so often. And and I just kind of got away from it, not for any particular reason. Uh, I just kind of got away from it. But this forum has, I haven't looked in a while, uh, 50,000 or so uh, members. I don't know how many of those are active. I'm sure there's a calculator on the website um, that would indicate that. But there are a lot of different forums, whether you're talking about legislation on Second Amendment issues, whether you're talking about carry issues and self-defense, whether you're talking about just general gun-related issues. It it really, um, it, you know, it's like any forum. It's garbage in, garbage out, right? I mean, if somebody goes on there and posts something knuckleheaded, then okay, there's something knuckleheaded. Uh, if somebody posts something very insightful and useful and and uh, and otherwise informative, um, but somebody responds with a knuckleheaded response, and okay, that, I mean that's the internet. But I gotta tell you, um, I've, I've been back on there just the last couple of days, and uh, I'm really enjoying it. And I'm gonna be more much more active. And, and if you listen to the Gun Guy Show, you gotta check out IndianaGunOwners.com. Just INGunOwners.com. I've got no commercial relationship with them whatsoever. I used to, I used to advertise on there. But uh, it's free, uh, I fully believe, uh, to be a, a, a member, to go on and, and post. I think you, I don't know, there's some kind of limitations on um, uh, 
uh, I think how soon after you join, you can start posting stuff. I don't know. I, I won't try to speak to all of that, uh, but it's a good forum. It's really solid. I kind of regret now having gotten active on it again. Uh, I kind of uh, regret uh, having stepped away. And I for, really for several years, I probably haven't been, haven't been active on, on Ingo as we call it for uh, four or five years at least. Um, but anyway, check it out. I'm going to be posting more on there. I'm going to um, talk about show content, uh, post videos, do some other things. Um, but I'll, I'm a, I'll be a very small part of what they're doing on there. Cause there's a lot of, uh, a lot of good people I think that are running it. Our buddy Kelly and Avon, uh, that calls the show and it shows up and, and is now the assistant legislative director at Indiana State Rifle and Pistol Association also. So he, he shows up at a lot of the same uh, con- uh, sorry, congressional uh, legislative hearings that I do to testify on behalf of, uh, on his case, Indiana State Rifle and Pistol Association, as I'm there uh, on behalf of the 2A Project and our members. Uh, and, and it's a good partnership. And I've known Kelly for a lot of, a lot of years, and he's one of the moderators on there. But um, anyway, check it out. Again, no commercial relationship. I get no financial benefit for having mentioned this whatsoever. If I did, I would tell you. Uh, but it's a good forum. And in the meantime, by the way, I, I haven't really invited calls this whole show um, join the discussion, 317-239-9393. We had a, a long telephone conversation with Jim Lucas, Representative Jim Lucas, as he was driving back from Texas, uh, about uh, the hysteria going on around uh, the events in the State Statehouse uh, last week involving him and some students, some high school students. And I'm really glad that, that, that Jim chose the Gun Guy Show. And I'm sure, in part, that's because he and I uh, are friends um, you know, we've socialized together and more importantly, we've worked a hell of a lot for a lot of years on legislation, whether it's constitutional carry, the self-defense immunity bill that I wrote and, and he introduced and championed. Um, and it goes on and on and on. We've amended the the statute on possession of a gun on school property to make it uh, much better for gun owners where it used to be. If I wanted to go and, and if I wanted to go in and, and say, hang out with my granddaughter um, for lunch uh, on, you know, grandparents day or whatever, if I left a, my gun in my car, even locked out of sight and walked into school, um, I'm committing a felony. And Jim and I worked on a bill together and we fixed that. And now you can leave a gun on school property as long as you lawfully possess that firearm. You can legally leave a gun locked in a vehicle out of sight. Very important. It's got to be out of sight. Because, And I get that. I mean, when we were talking about that in the legislature, some people said, well, let's make sure it's hidden because we don't want people seeing guns in the parking lot and breaking into to, to cars in the school parking lot and then stealing a gun because they can see it in the in the vehicle. I get that. And so we agreed it needs to be hidden. But we passed that law. And anyway, that's just one uh, one example. And I could go on for a long time about bills that Jim and I have collaborated on. Uh, we made false reporting under the red flag statute a crime. In other words, if somebody wants to red flag me, get my guns taken away from me by telling authorities that I'm dangerous, and it's all... It's all false. It's just a, a way of attacking me and have my guns taken away from me. Um, Jim and I worked on a bill. I wrote it, and, and, and Jim introduced it, and we got it passed. That's a crime now under the false reporting statute. That's a big deal. And anyway, that's just some, a few examples, but this goes back years and years and years. And, uh, and, and, and that's one of the reasons that I consider him a friend and I have a lot of respect for him. 
Um, so anyway, uh, we'll leave it there. Um, but give us a call, 317-239-9393. Whether you have an opinion on what happened with Jim in the State House or you want to ask me some other issue, we're going to move on and talk about other legislation going on in the General Assembly. Now, last week, as I mentioned, I was in the State House. The reason I was down there Wednesday when all this other drama was unfolding uh, was because I was testifying for Senate Bill 28. And I talked about this right at the top of the show. And this is a bill authored by uh, Representative Jim Toms and and really uh, uh, pushed uh, by the National Shooting Sports Foundation. Now, that's the industry group for firearms manufacturers and retailers and other firearms-related businesses like shooting ranges and whatnot. For instance, I was a member of NSSF. In fact, I, I need to rejoin. It's a great organization because I'm a firearms instructor, and I ran a commercial shooting range back when Eagle Creek Pistol Range was open to the public before Mayor Hogsett kicked us all out of there. Uh, taxpayers can pay for that range, but we just can't use it, according to uh, Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogsett. So that's where we are. But I ran that range for years before Hogsett was elected, and uh, and as running somebody who ran a commercial shooting range, I joined NSSF. NSSF was, was a, a big champion of this bill. Um, Senator Jim Toms, who's been an incredible hero for the Second Amendment here in Indiana over the years, he's the author of our preemption bill that was so critical by help by 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 preventing local governments like the city of Indianapolis from regulating firearms, including the carry of firearms, possession of firearms, sale of firearms. They just simply can't do it. And that's prevented Joe Hogsett and the Indianapolis City County Council from doing what they want to do, which is passing a so-called assault weapon ban, banning concealed carry, rolling back constitutional carry in the entire county, Marion County, and making it a requirement that, 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 that you have to be 21 to even buy a long gun, rifle or shotgun in Indiana, when currently it's 18. And what prevents them from doing that is the preemption law that was championed by Jim Toms, Senator Jim Toms, from down, I believe, in the Poseyville area, down by uh, Evansville. But Senate Bill 28, which is Senator Toms' bill, would prevent discrimination by financial institutions based on the use of a social credit score. And I mentioned that in the very first segment. And we're at the quarter hour. We're going to take a break. I'll, we'll come back and I'll tell you about what exactly this bill means and where we left it. And now that we're at halftime and some bills are still alive and a lot of bills are dead, where is Senate Bill 28? Where do we expect that to go from here? Because listen, the discrimination against the gun industry by financial institution is rampant. And it's devastating for a lot of small businesses to get their bank accounts closed or have credit card processors refuse to, to process their transactions. How are you going to stay in business as a retailer if you can't process debit and credit cards? And we, we, we had this hearing, and one of the Democrat senators said, well, you could use cash. Theoretically, Senator, yes. And I said this, and I was respectful. I'm always respectful when I'm talking to our, our elected officials. I might get slightly sarcastic from time to time, but I'm respectful. And I said, yes, Senator, you could use cash. However, run any retail business, I don't care if it's a clothing store or a restaurant or any other business in today's society, and only take cash, don't take credit or debit cards, and see how long you stay in business. 
Now, listen, I'm sure somebody's sitting out there right now going, well, wait a minute, the, what is it, the working man's friend? I've never been there. I heard it's the best smash burger in Indianapolis. I've still never been there. I was going there one day. We're on the Harley with a bunch of guys. We were going to go there. But anyway, I've heard that they've got a fabulous hamburger and they only take cash. Okay. Well, they're an institution as far as I know. And people come from near and far because of how fabulous their burgers are. Fabulous. Great. I've never had one, but I fully believe the reviews that are out there. But typically, any retail business today, try to run it cash only. Don't take any credit cards and see how long you stay in business. And don't think for a moment that this isn't all intentional by the financial industry trying to force these businesses out of business. They, there's, there's something that was, that was instituted by the Obama administration called Operation Choke Point. And it was using insurance, the, in, the insurance in, industry and the financial industry to choke firearm-related businesses out of business. That was the declared policy. And it was broader than that. It included other businesses that the Obama administration just simply disagreed with on a political basis. But the firearms industry was front and center and in the crosshairs, no pun intended. And, and, and on that basis, this is simply a continuation of the attack on the firearms industry, this discrimination that we see over and over again. And I'll have another gun shop roundtable. We'll talk more about it. But I'll come back. We'll talk about Senate Bill 28. Where is it? What are the prospects? Are we going to get anything done this session or not? That's what we'll get into. And take your calls. Give us a call, 317-239-9393. That's 317 317- 239-9393. We're taking a break. This is Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Now you've got a gun guy. Guy Relford on 93 WIBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. So we're talking about Senate Bill 28 and this financial discrimination against the firearm industry. And again, the bill's much broader than that. It deals with um, social credit scores that, that, can, that can take into consideration things like whether your company uh, uses uh, affirmative action in hiring people or whether you have a, uh, a training program based on diversity, equity, and inclusion, or whether you're associated with the fossil fuels industry. Those things are all also subject to potentially uh, being discriminated against by, by these financial institutions to consider such factors and deciding whether to do business with you, give you a loan, uh, handle your business checking account, process your credit cards. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. In the meantime, uh, we've had some folks call in that have been on hold for a while, so I want to go to the phone lines, and uh, Mitch has called in. Mitch, welcome to the Gun Guy Show. Hi, how you doing? Good, man. What's going on? Uh, uh, a little couple comments, man. Um, I was on um, uh, Facebook here oh, a couple uh, months ago, and I was talking to a cousin of mine who was in Nebraska, and um, I told her that you know I was come up with a subject I was interested in AR. And that's all it took. She said, well, I think the name needs to be outlawed. And I said, well, why do you feel that way? Well, they kill people. And I said, well, you know what? Wait a minute. Um, I said, you know, I said, uh, what about 9-11? I said, and they already didn't kill anybody at 9-11. I said, so you want to outlaw box cutters? 
She said, well, that's taking a little bit too far. And I said, wait a minute. You did, you know, you've done got me started. I said, let's talk about what happened in Oklahoma City. I said, let's, let's not stop there. Let's, you know, let's start with the fertilizer. I said, how many people have died drinking and driving? I said, we don't outlaw cars. You know, I remember back in the day for all this crap happened back in the 90s at the gun shop uh, in southern Indiana that was selling AK-47s for $99. And I bought them. I bought four of them. And, you know, I kept them four guns in my gun safe for my how long, and not one of those guns killed a single person. Right. And it's not the gun. It is the it is the owner behind the gun. It's just like, you know, it's just like a dog. And and, uh, and I just, it just really aggravates me, and it just really just, it gets under my skin that, that hear people, and they, you know, you can make anything an assault weapon. And uh, it's just like, you know, like a car. There's been more people killed drinking and driving, you know, a car than there has been, a, you know, a gun. And it, it's it's not the gun. That gun, there's not one single gun that's ever killed anybody. It's the person behind the gun. Well, Mitch, you're exactly right. And, and for instance, I mean, you had some great counterpoints. Um, but listen, it's easy to blame the tool. When we have a mass shooting and someone with a long history of mental illness, and invariably that's exactly who these people are, um, or someone who's a prohibited possessor and still able to legally purchase a firearm because somebody uh, doesn't do their job, which uh, has happened. Um, when, you know, when, when, when you have uh, a, a, somebody uh, brought up uh, with no parenting, uh, no religion, no school because they dropped out early on and no one came and chased him down and made him go and never learned right from wrong, has no moral compass, and then they go commit a mass shooting somewhere or a school shooting, God forbid. You know, it's easy to say, well, we're gonna, we can stop this if we just ban the tool that they used as opposed to looking at those hard issues. What about single and no-parent homes where these kids are, are growing up? You know, what about mental, mental illness? We have less dollars going into treating people with serious mental illnesses in this country per capita than ever before. We have more and more mentally ill. We have less and less resources to treat them. All these huge social issues. And moral issues and parenting issues. And those are hard. Those are hard to solve. For a politician to go, wow, okay, we got all these people with mental illness who are going out attacking people and committing these mass shootings. We really need to do something about mental illness. Why well, do you write a bill that you can just you can put on a piece of paper, put your name on it, send it to Congress or send it to the you know state legislature? Get that passed and say, look what we just did. We're keeping people safe. How do you do that when the, when the issue you're trying to tackle is mental illness? You can increase funding. You can increase resources. But that's hard. That's difficult. That's something that's really hard to do with the stroke of a pen in the legislature. So they don't. They just don't. They duck it. They ignore it. And they go after the easy target. You know what? Because, Mitch, you in possession of your so-called assault weapon, I mean, we know that's a made-up political term. It's, it's, it's designed to demonize the most commonly owned rifles in America. Okay. But, but, but it's easy to come after you. You're not going anywhere. You're right there out there in public. 
You're a law-abiding gun owner who's not shirking from the fact that you're exercising your Second Amendment rights. It's easy to find you. It's easy to come tell you that the gun you own that you paid money for that's never hurt anyone because you're a safe and responsible gun owner, that that's now illegal. That's easy. You know, all you law-abiding gun owners out there, you need to come turn in those evil assault weapons. Well, you know what? A very big chunk of us now, as we're learning in Illinois, it can be rather shocking to the officials how few people that really is. But still, a whole bunch of people who are law-abiding citizens, law-abiding gun owners, are going to comply with that. Why? Because we're law-abiding. So we're easy targets. We're we're easy to to legislate against. We're easy to regulate because we're right out in public. People know who we are. We're not going anywhere. We're not trying to hide. So what guns we own, how we exercise our Second Amendment rights, that's an easy target. That's why liberals always put us in the crosshairs. Again, no pun intended. That's why they come after us. Because we're easy to find. The, The real causes of mental illness... And the solutions to a pandemic, when talking about the, a legitimate word, a legitimate use of the word pandemic, mental illness in this country right now, guarantee you that's legitimate. That's hard. That's tough. You can't just go pass a bill and then go back to your constituents and brag about how you're preventing gun violence when it comes to snapping your fingers and trying to address the real root causes, things like economic issues. Drug abuse, parenting issues, mental illness, substance abuse, those are hard. So what do they do? They go after Mitch and his so-called assault weapon because that's easy. That's easy. And that's, that's why they do it. Make no mistake. In the meantime, we're at the bottom of the hour. We've got several people on hold now. George, Jeff, uh, Chris has called in. We'll go back to the phone lines as soon as we come back. We're taking a break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WYBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. He's a Second Amendment attorney. He's an NRA certified firearms instructor. He's the gun guy. Guy Ralford on 93 WIPC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Ralford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIPC. Let's go right back to the phone lines. Um, George has been holding forever. Uh, and George, thanks for your patience, oh, man. You had, you had a question? Uh, yeah. You mentioned uh, about what uh, you got passed there on the, uh, what is it, the red flag? Uh-huh. Okay, folks that, you know, are uh, lying about you and they're held responsible and arrested. Well, my question is, is now that this thing uh, called swatting seems to be a thing now, that uh, it, would that be covered? Uh, I guess it's a two-part question. Would that be covered under the red flag, you know, law that, uh, like, like you mentioned, and also... Uh, if uh, the law enforcement that was contacted did not, you know, uh, use uh, critical thinking and reasonable thinking 
I guess, and since they're covered either by absolute immunity or qualified immunity, is anybody held accountable for terrorizing and tearing up somebody's home? Yeah, I mean, that's what false reporting is all about. And um, you you call and say somebody's suicidal uh, just because you want uh, the police to show up at their house, or you call and say somebody's, you know, holding their wife hostage, you know, at gunpoint, um, and because you want the SWAT team to show up at their house, you know, what we call swatting, exactly as you mentioned, George, um, then that's false reporting, and that's crime. And, and we wanted to specifically include within the crime of false reporting the idea of calling someone and saying, oh, well, you know, guy's dangerous uh, because he's crazy or he's he threatened me. I had I've had these cases where people uh, were being completely vindictive and malicious. You know, one I had a red flag case where there were neighbors who had a dispute over where they parked where they left their trash cans. And there's ongoing dispute. And one day, you know, they went out and had a yelling match about, you know, they were mad at each other over where they'd left their trash cans. These were like adjoining or, or adjacent parallel driveways. And they were mad at each other, so they yelled at each other for a while. Well, the one guy goes back into his house, picks up the phone, calls 911, and said, yeah, my neighbor's a crazy man. And he, he went and, and we were having an argument, and he pulled a gun, and he waved it around, and he threatened me, and he's dangerous. And... Cops show up. They seize his guns. They say, well, you're out threatening people because you have an argument over trash cans. You're dangerous under the red flag statute. Well, thank God, turns out there was a ring doorbell that captured the whole thing. There was no gun involved. There were no threats involved. Certainly, no gun was pulled or pointed, as was alleged. It was an absolute bold-faced lie. And we use that as an example that helped us get that law changed to include uh, reporting someone as dangerous, quote-unquote, under the red flag law, um, and uh, and doing so falsely and maliciously. Um, let's go back to the phone lines, and Jeff has a question, I think, going back to uh, Representative Lucas. Guy, I'm sorry I missed the first part of the show, and I, I was doing sewers today, and I hope you haven't already addressed this. Thank uh, you no worries. Everything. You can go back and, and check out the podcast. You go to the WIBC page, WIBC.com, click on Shows, come down to Gun Guy, and uh, it's got all the podcasts on there, so you'll be able to go back and listen to anything you missed. I do that. Awesome. Um, so I'm regular Jeff on the, the Common Garden and uh, Kendall and Casey, but anyway, <laughs> so I've got a, I've got a question, and Thank you for everything you do for the 2A in Indiana as well as the rest of the country. Well, thank now, you. Jim or Lucas or whoever, the state representative who uh-huh. allegedly pled guilty to a DUI. Right. And I would think that it would be on probation or maybe that hasn't started because I'm wondering why he's allowed to carry a firearm in the state of Indiana in his home, his car, anywhere. Oh, no, I'll tell you exactly. And, uh, and it's a legitimate question, Jeff, but... Um, Jim, uh, last year, um, I want to say late spring, early summer, um, had an OWI, what a lot of people call DUI. We, in Indiana, we call it operating while intoxicated. And, uh, Jim got arrested for one of those. He pled guilty. He got sentenced to uh, probation. Uh, and it's a standard term of probation in vir- virtually every criminal case, whether your crime involved a firearm or not. And this catches people by surprise. And as a criminal defense lawyer, I, I need to make sure if we're, if we're working on a plea agreement where my client's going to plead guilty even to a, a relatively low-level misdemeanor, 
that they understand that they're going to go on probation, and while they're on probation, you can't possess a firearm. Um, but Jim served his probation, and during that probation, yes, he could not possess a firearm. Exactly as you suggest, Jeff, you're exactly right, but his probation's over. And can he now possess a firearm? And I had people on social media after this whole thing last week blew up about him and these students in the state house. I had people out there going, well, there ought to be a law. It says anybody with a with an OWI or call it a DUI if you'd like, um, shouldn't be able to possess a firearm. Well, what's the law say on that today? A, a, an OWI or DUI that's a, merely a misdemeanor because you haven't had another one. And my understanding is that this was Jim's first criminal arrest. That um, when, it, when you've never had another one, you get an OWI, and it's just the OWI. In other words, you didn't hurt anyone. You didn't crash into someone. So OWI causing serious bodily injury, or God forbid, death, that's a very serious crime. That's a felony. Get convicted of that, any felony conviction, you can't possess a firearm. You can't, get, uh, you can't have possession of a firearm until uh, or as long as that conviction is on your record. If you have two or more alcohol-related offenses, and the latest one was within three years from the time you're applying for a new handgun license, an Indiana license to carry handgun, you will be denied your handgun license as long as the, that most recent one, even if they're both misdemeanors. Again, if one of them is a felony, then you're out. You can't possess a firearm with a felony. Under federal law, any any felony can't possess a firearm. But if they're both, say they're both misdemeanors, but you've had two or more. One could be twenty years ago, and your most recent one was six months ago. Now you're quote unquote an alcohol abuser, and you will not get a license to carry. Now, if it's a drug related conviction, either conviction or court ordered treatment, as a result of a, an arrest. If, if your latest uh, conviction or court-ordered treatment was within five years of the time you're applying for a new license, you will not get your license because you're a quote-unquote drug abuser. Now, when you get past that five-year window for a drug uh, offense or a three-year window for alcohol offense, now you're lo- no longer an alcohol abuser, and you're as long as everything's just a misdemeanor, you're um, eligible to get your handgun license. And... Uh, and as long as you don't have that felony conviction, you're not on probation, there's no other court order that prevents you from possessing a firearm, you can also carry under constitutional carry. But but Jim, uh, while he served probation, could not possess a firearm. Anybody on probation, that's, again. But he got convicted of, a, a, a again, um, without going into the important issues around OWIs, um, and, and, and the danger that poses, and I don't want to be hypocritical about this, listen, because over the course of my lifetime, multiple times, I could have gotten in just as much trouble as, as Jim did, and by the grace of God, I did not, and I've tried very, very hard to learn my lesson on that. But if you only have a misdemeanor conviction, notwithstanding um, how anybody feels about that particular offense, it's still a relatively low-level crime if you don't hurt anybody. And on that basis, um, the, the, that conviction doesn't, doesn't prevent you from possessing a firearm. It doesn't prevent Jim from having a firearm, and it didn't cause him to lose his handgun license because he'd never been in trouble before, and it doesn't prevent him from carrying under constitutional carry. Now, it did while he was on probation, to Jeff's point, 
but no longer. So that's the answer to your question, Jeff. I hope I answered it. In the meantime, let's take a break. We'll come back. I'll talk more about Senate Bill 28 and uh, where we left that in the General Assembly last week after it was heard in the uh, Insurance and Financial Institutions Committee. I was down here testifying say down here because I'm downtown. I was down at the State House uh, early, man. That hearing was at 8.30 Wednesday morning. Uh, my buddy Kelly and Avon, several other people were there to testify as well. And by the way, on that point, people showed up Wednesday. I put the call out. I put out a, a, a mass email uh, to members of the 2A project. I, I called for people to show up on the Hammer and Nigel show when I do my did my Monday gun day segment last week. I called for people to show up right here on this show last week. And man, people did. And it made a big difference. Now, that bill did not get a vote, but we still made a big headway. Big headway. And look, I'm not rationalizing. I'm very objective. I'm very, I'll tell you, I'll do woe is me and, and, and hang quick with the best of them when things really go south. We laid a very important foundation. I'll talk more about that as well as other bills if we have time here on the last segment of the Gun Guy Show when we come back. This is Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Second to none on the Second Amendment. This is the Gun Guy with Guy Relford on 93 WIBC. And welcome back for the last segment of the Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIBC. So here's we are where we are on Senate Bill 28, this anti-financial discrimination bill that includes discrimination against the gun industry. We, we had um, some representatives of the banks, the, the um, credit unions, and some people that came in that said, listen, we understand what's trying to be accomplished here, but the, the, the bill is a little loose in its language in terms of um, – what can be established as discrimination when, for instance, a bank may simply decide not to do business with a particular person or, or a particular business based on creditworthiness, based on their financial condition, and and you know, and and could could the, could a bank get blamed for violating the statute or get sued? And, and and there's a provision in here that allows the attorney general, as well as private litigation, by people damaged, but the attorney general can bring an action and recover up to ten thousand dollars per violation. So banks are saying, hey, is this thing buttoned up enough? Is it specific enough to stop this from being um, just a huge imposition and and financial burden and financial risk for the banking industry and the credit card uh, processing industry? And, And even the legislators who were pushing for this and were clearly in support of it. And by the way, again, we had people show up and people testified and did a fabulous job. Um, my buddy uh, Jeff Sampson, who I, I write Harleys with, uh, is a member of the 2A Project, he showed up, had his 2A Project t-shirt on, did a fabulous job testifying. And and and, and even the people, again, on this committee uh, who were on our side, I think, said, you know what, the bill needs a little more work. However, they got the message. They heard us. And that's why they didn't vote on the bill. But listen, we have another financial-related bill. For instance, we have 1084. I also have 1235. I'll talk about 1084 right now because we've got less than a minute. This has to do with the the, the with the um, forbidding, prohibiting the use of these credit card codes 
by financial processors to identify gun purchases or purchases at gun shops. That bill passed the House, is still alive, and some of the best parts of Senate Bill 28 can potentially be amended into that one. That's exciting. That takes us to the end of this week's show. We hope you enjoyed it. hope you come back. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC.